Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that the scriptures that we need to remember and that we need to glean from, Lord, that you would use those to encourage us, sharpen us. I pray for the practical principles, Lord, the things that are from you, let them stick. The things that are just from me need to fade into the background. Let that happen. We love you. We want to grow in ministering prophetically, following the Holy Spirit. Use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to use our time specifically to get as practical as I can and give you a picture of how we really learn how to prophesy. How do we prophesy? And so obviously we're here to learn, but the scripture doesn't always tell us how to do these things. And that's where it gets kind of sticky. If I get sort of criticized, which by the way, if you're part of Northwest Church, your pastor does get criticized sometimes. I just want you to know that. It does happen. When you write a book, people write things about you. So don't get surprised if you ever read something. All right, so, but if I ever get criticized for something, typically it's because I not, I'm not only trying to teach the theology, the what, but I'm also trying to teach the how. Here's the thing. Scripture doesn't always give you the how. Like there is no passage that says this is how you prophesy specifically. There are a few contextual passages that I'm gonna go over, but they had a context and they don't always apply in every other context. And you're gonna see that very clearly. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, you can't just pluck what he said to them out of that context and put it into ours because we live in such a vastly different time and we are just not the same people. He will say one thing to the Thessalonians and he'll say something else to the Corinthians and it looks like a contradiction. It wasn't, he just knew who he was talking to. And we gotta understand that. And so the what is, is where we've been for a while. We've talked about what prophecy is what it looks like, what the benefits and the power of it is. And now I'm gonna to talk to you about how you minister prophetically. But here's a fact. If we don't minister prophetically, if we don't share prophetic words, what I'm gonna to say to you will not be the fuel that you need. It will not be life to you. It only becomes life when we position ourselves to be used by God. And so I'm asking you to do that. I'm asking you to consider that God is wanting to use you and speak to your heart and then speak through you. And when you position yourself to do that, the things that I'm saying will make a lot more sense. But if that's not the case, then it will just, they'll just be practices and protocols. Here's four things that I'm gonna go over just so you know the roadmap of where we're going. Number one, I'm gonna talk to you about how to receive a prophetic word. I call it how to receive prophetic words from God, but it's really the different ways that God communicates to us. This is more about how to posture our hearts in order to hear his voice and share prophetically what, he, what he's saying. Okay, so how do we posture our hearts? How do we receive a prophetic word? Number two, how do we interpret a prophetic word? Because about one third of what God says to us can be symbolic or it can have metaphor. And that's really important. We're gonna see in scripture that's the case. I've already shared this in previous weeks, but we're gonna go over the interpretation element Number three, we're going to talk about how to deliver a corporate prophetic word, and you're going to love that. Prophesy. 
Number four, we're gonna talk about how to deliver a personal prophetic word. And there is a difference. When I share corporately, I'm sharing to a people. When I share personal, I'm sharing to a person. We're gonna talk about the difference and there is a huge difference. Now, I wanna just highlight something. I run into people a lot because I used to travel on the road and do seminars and conferences on this particular topic. And I ran into this person all the time. And this may be something in your mind. So I want to answer a question that maybe you didn't know you would ask. And that is, can you really teach people to prophesy? The answer is yes. In fact, that's called discipleship. We ought to be disciple makers in every area that the Bible discusses. This is really important. I cannot teach you how to get the word from God that you want. God is the giver of those, of those words. So we can't tell him what to say, and we can't force him to do what we want, when we want, and how we want. Nobody can teach anybody to do that. That's called witchcraft. <laughs> that is not what we're talking about. But we can teach each other how to live a life where we hear. We can teach each other, and we should disciple one another how to posture our hearts, our lives, how to know the word, how to walk in wisdom, when to have discretion, how to live a life of intercession. All of these types of things create a context for which we will hear the voice of God and be able to prophesy. And there are a lot of pieces of wisdom that will save you and I headache and trouble and trauma. And I've gone through most of it and I've blown it quite a bit. So if you want to learn, learn from my mistakes. And I hope to share some of those with you because if you're not ready, to make mistakes, you're not ready to prophesy. I know people hate it when I say that. They do. They just get so mad. But here's the thing. What bothers me is that God chooses to use us, imperfect people. And then I just go, how in the world do people, how, do, how does anybody buy this concept that you and I are going to do any of it perfectly? Seriously. Live under that for a day. Good luck with perfectionism. It doesn't work. I don't know why God chooses to use broken, hesitant, <laughs> reluctant vessels. But he does. I'm grateful that he uses me in process. And so I don't think that means that we want to make mistakes. Nobody I know gets up in the morning and says, you know, I really want to think I hear God say something and then say it to somebody and totally be wrong. I can't wait to do that. Nobody wants to do that. But if you don't have margin for growth, you, you just won't grow. That's my, that's, and here's the lesson overall that I'm going to say. You cannot learn to prophesy unless you prophesy. That's right. How did that feel? Not very good. Yeah, nobody said anything. All right. Here's what Romans chapter 12 says. The apostle Paul was encouraging the Roman church and he does talk about what I call motivational gifts, one of those being prophecy. And he says this in verse six, Romans 12. He says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace that has been given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith or to the measure of his faith, each person has a measure of faith. And he's saying you need to use what you've been given, that gift, and you need to do so. You need to maximize it and share with the greatest amount of faith that you have. You need to extend yourself and be exercising it on a regular basis. One of the reasons why we 
lose what we have, or at least that place that we once were, is because we don't use what we have. If you have something, exercise it. Amen? It's like go to the gym, you've got to exercise your muscles. What happens when you haven't been to the gym for a coronavirus year? You realize that your muscles are in no good shape to be able to use them the way that you once did. Okay? And so you got to go slow. you got to work it back in. Some of you have prophesied a lot in your past. And that might make you feel good. You're like, Pastor Ben, I know exactly what you're talking about. But it's been years. So we're, tr- we're trying to kickstart this thing back so that we can be used by God to minister again. And I want to encourage you to go back to that place where God uses you again. If you have this grace and you have this gift, exercise it accordingly. The measure of faith that you've been given. And I'll tell you this. When you exercise the gift, when you minister to people prayerfully, passionately, God will give you greater faith. This is what he does. If you take what you have and you invest it and you give it, God will give you more. That's the principle. It's all over the scriptures. And so you look at somebody and you go, why is God using that person? Well, I'll tell you why. It's real simple. One level of humility is a person believes God at his word. That's one level of humility. If a person receives a gift over here and another person receives a gift and this person uses it, isn't as educated, isn't as attractive, (laughs) isn't as well, you know, whatever, but they use it. And then this person over here doesn't do anything with it. Which one's going to get used more? Well, it's obvious because this is actually a level of humility. And we don't think of humility as that. We think of humility as like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, I just don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't. I don't want to mess with you. That's no, that's like piety. That's, that's crippling. That is not humility. That could be false humility. Humility is where we take God at his word and we do what God says. We humble ourselves before the word and we follow through. Sometimes humility comes out of very bold people. And we look at that and go, those people are prideful. No, they're doing what God said while everyone else is criticizing them while they do. Which one's really, okay, I'm I'm getting off. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) To learn how to prophesy, you've got to prophesy. That's principle number one. Now, let's talk for a moment about receiving a prophetic word. I've already talked to you about the nine different ways that God communicates. That's not what I mean. I want to talk to you about the way that you posture your heart. And the first principle of receiving a prophetic word is you have to, we have to cultivate our relationship with the Lord. And we know this principle we find in Matthew chapter 6. And this is not rocket science, but it is important for us to remember. We've got to be people of the word. We've got to be people of prayer. And as we are people of the word and people of prayer, we're giving the Holy Spirit a lot to work with, and he will give back to us. He will pour out into our hearts words for us, for other people. God will do that. Here's a principle that I want to read to you. This is Matthew chapter 6, and let's go ahead and start in verse 5. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. They pray so that they may be seen. They don't pray so that God hears them and answers them. They pray so that they may be seen. You see the, what God, Jesus is saying here? There's a motivation that they have, and it's a wrong motivation. And then he goes on to say, but when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your father who sees in secret. Your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And then he goes on to talking about prayer as well. There's a principle in this that applies to even the conversation that we're having. 
that when we spend time with God, we're not just asking him for prophetic words. We're just spending time with God, who is our heavenly father who sees in secret. When we spend time with our heavenly father, we have divine exchange and everything that we need, God will supply it in that intimacy. Let me just tell you, everything that we need is found in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And our frustrations will always be present. Our turmoil will always be present and strong if we do not cultivate our relationship with God. But let me also tell you this. That if we just seek God for something, rather than seek God for God, we will have a problem. And this applies to prophecy or anything else for that matter, whether it's a blessing or this or that or the other, a job or whatever we want. If we just seek God for that thing and not seeking God for relationship, we're going to have a problem. God does not want a better performance from us. He wants a better relationship with us. That's what he is all about. That is what he's always been about. That's why Jesus came and died on a cross, took our place. Death, he took death in our place so that we would be rightly related to our heavenly father by believing upon Jesus Christ. And so now as we spend time with God, this is the posture of heart that we've got to have. And when we have it, God will speak to our hearts and he will speak to our hearts for other people. Why? Because we're spending time with the father. The father loves all of his sons and daughters. The father loves all of humanity so much that he would spare no expense. And if that person, okay, if that's the one that we're talking to and we're spending time with, the minute we look over as we're spending time with the Father and say, Lord, what are, you, what are you doing in this person's life? Bam! Once we have his heart, he has no problem giving us a word for a person in due season. But that comes in the context of us spending time with the Lord. So cultivating our relationship with God. Number two, we ask God for a word during our personal prayer time. Matthew chapter 7 talks about asking and seeking and knocking. Ask right? And you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. And there's this the perpetual seeking and asking and knocking and pressing in. And then in the book of Luke, there's a parallel passage to what Jesus says in Matthew 7. And he talks about you being evil as fathers would not give bad things to your children when they ask. And he says, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that the evidence of the Holy Spirit is spiritual gifts. That's one of the evidences that the Holy Spirit is manifesting himself among us, spiritual gifts. How do we know what the Holy Spirit is doing or if he's among us? Spiritual gifts is one of the evidences that he is. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we ask God for a word and he will give us a word. Now, practically, what do you do? In your personal prayer time, I've talked to you a lot about journaling. Take out a journal, write names that are on your heart, and pray over those names for a couple minutes. I mean, I used to do this all the time, and I still do. Put, write things down. That's, I, you see me with journals all the time, right? I, I wrote two words down just during worship. I got journals all over my office. I got journals all over the place because I don't remember nothing, and neither do you. <laughs> Come on, don't lie. Tell the truth. Now, you don't, if you, don't, you want to do it on your phone, fine. I'm not judging. I'm just saying you got to have a place where you write some stuff down because you're not a supercomputer. I mean, I think the brain is a fascinating thing. It's like a seven-pound piece of gray matter that's technically a computer. All right, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Neuroscience. I'm just saying it's a pretty awesome thing, right? God's a genius. My point 
you don't remember stuff, journal it, write names down, and then pray over those names and watch how your heart will well up and God will put things in your heart and you write those things down. Text that person. If you don't want to say it to them, text them, email them, write them a letter, do the snail mail, whatever you got to do. See them at church and say, hey, I just had this on my heart. What do you think about this? I mean, that's just amazing. This is another way we receive prophetic words. Number three, ask God for a word during a church service. I mean, I don't know what would happen if everybody did that during worship and then you all walked up to me and said, I have a word. That would be a hard day. But that'd be awesome too. Give me something to discern. And sometimes the word fits and sometimes it doesn't. But while we're in the presence of God and his manifest presence shows up, I have found that in worship, God will release prophetic words. It's just like something happens in the spirit. I don't know how to explain it, but just something opens up and it's like rivers of living water just begin to flow. Boom. And I just receive prophetic words like that. I hear from the Lord sometimes like that. I mean, it's not every second, but as I just open myself up to him, not even just saying, tell me everything I want to know. I'm just open. I'm available. I'm worshiping you. And as I worship you, I'm going to hear from you. There's an exchange in that. I'm glorifying. I'm honoring. I'm exalting him. And my spiritual ears open and something begins to happen. Something heavenly. Something otherly. Ask him for a word during church services. God will give you corporate words, personal words. Have a journal with you. Let's treat these environments like they're holy. Amen? I, I really believe that it's, it's part of how we set ourselves in expectation. If we come and we're just kind of like, you know, oh, whatever, I don't know what's going to happen. It's, it I might be good. It might not be good. It might not be good tonight. You know, you get, you find what you're seeking. Do you know what I mean? If you go, we go outside right now and we start looking for rocks, we're going to find a lot of rocks. There's a lot more stuff outside than rocks. I know it. My car's out there. It's how I'm getting home. But if you look for something, you're going to find it. If you're just looking for something to see that you don't like, or if we, have that, if we cultivate a critical mind, or we cultivate some kind of disappointment mentality, or whatever it is, but if we set our hearts on, in expectation to receive something from God, Ben, I don't know what you're doing tonight, but I know if we gather with God's people, he's doing something. See, if we've got that kind of mindset, you're not looking to get something from me. You're looking past me, and you're going to extract from God what God gives. And I think if the people of God start expecting from God and we place a demand on heaven, we're going to receive something from the Lord. And this is what religion does to us. It tells us that the same old, same old is just going to keep happening. And we read this beautiful book that is full of people experiencing a living God. Oh my gosh, I can't even, I don't even know how people become cessationists. How a person can read this book and act like God isn't still doing what he always did. It's like, did he, I mean, did he, he just doesn't show up anymore? He changed his attitude and mindset on what he is about to do? No, we changed. And so we've got to change back and put our hearts in front of him. Surrender our lives to him. Open our ears to him. Surrender ourselves. Whatever you want is what we'll do. Whatever you say is what we'll say. And when we start to do that, what happens in the spirit is this place in the spirit looks like a fire. It looks like a bonfire. It's not some Pentecostal hype. It's reality. Demons don't want to go to a place like that. They get burned up. 
This is what we're talking about, setting our hearts and expectations. But if we just plop down, it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know, you know. Yeah, you're going to get what you pay for. You know, it's co- this costs us something. Don't look at me like I got something you don't got. Don't, don't you do that. I don't. You know, I'm hungry. I want the Lord. And, and, and maybe that's the best thing I've got for leadership. I know that I'm not this or that, but you and I, if we cultivate a hunger, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to give our kids something that's worth stewarding. That's what I'm interested in. I want to build something so great that my kids got to look up and go, man, I got to build something bigger than that. Yes. That's it. We've got to do this, you know? And so we set our hearts in expectation. And so I got off, but you know where I'm going. Number four, we ask God for a word throughout our day. And this is so key, right? It's like everywhere we go, we have a weather station above us, you know? (laughs) It's not about being prophetic or gifted or anything like that. It's about living and abiding in the Holy Spirit. It's about being sensitive to the spirit of the living God who lives in us, but he wants to live through us. That's, that's the key of Christianity. It's not just that we know theologically that the Holy Spirit lives in us. It's that the Bible, it gives us this picture of a river flowing through us. And so we're trying to figure out how to release that river. And it actually is more simple than we want to admit. It's far more simple than we want to admit. It's the little surrenders. It's, it's, it's where we give him just moments before we meet with somebody, before we go to a family reunion, before we walk into Fred Myers, where we, where we stop getting annoyed with all of this stuff and we just go, okay, fine, I don't like all this, but like, I need to see people. And, and when I start to see people, God starts to give me what he has for them. It's so amazing. And I need the reminder. You need the reminder. That's part of what happens when we gather together. This is a place of equipping. This is a place of encouragement to provoke us onto love and to good deeds. And so we ask God for words throughout our day. Practically, what does that look like? Just when you're standing in front of people, whenever you become aware that you're, you have a moment, you have a, I got 30 seconds, I can ask the Lord for something right now. Ask the Lord, how do you see this person in front of me? We see by the flesh, but the Lord sees the heart. So all we have to do is say, Lord, how do you think about this person? How do you see this person? What are you doing in this person's life? And then just wait on the Lord. And you don't have to like do anything super spiritual in front of them. Never mind, just a moment. You don't have to, you know? I mean, because that's another thing we do. sometimes we do. Not you, but you know someone. They just stand in front of people. They go, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And I mean, we can do that in church. That's totally legal, but not at Walmart. You know, don't do it at Fred Meyers, okay? Don't stand in the grocery. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm sorry. What was that, Sarah? Uh Uh-huh. Hold on just a second. It's like you're getting a down zunk, you know? It's just like, don't just be naturally supernatural, right? No silly stuff. We don't need it. We can do that here. I'll tolerate that. It's fine. We'll do that here. But I've got stories. I'll just leave it alone. All right, receiving a prophetic word. Number two, ready? Interpreting a prophetic word. The majority of the mistakes in the prophetic happen because of interpretation. We misinterpret. Not all prophetic words require interpretation, but there's a percentage of them that do, especially when we see visions. Remember, I've told you about 230 visions and dreams in the Bible um, one third of scripture is, has metaphor in it, around there, maybe a quarter. 
but there's a lot of metaphor. Jesus would teach in parables. So I don't know why sometimes the Father gives us visions. I would prefer just a sentence. It would be more simple. I get that. I, okay, I can't answer that question. He just does. So he gives us a visual. Sometimes it's more powerful and it's more impacting, and that's really important. And I, I just trust the Lord for that. But there, at times, is an interpretation. And we don't want to get carried away because it's not a cosmic puzzle. Like, how do I figure this out? That's not what it's about. Usually, it's the simplest interpretation, the simplest understanding. So when you receive some revelation from the Lord, a picture of some kind, the first thing you do is you can ask, um, you ask Him if He needs interpretation. Sometimes the Lord will give you a picture, and it doesn't need any interpretation. When I'm praying for someone and I see a picture of a house, the house doesn't have to represent their life. It doesn't have to represent the church. The house could represent they're buying a house. And so it's important that when you're ministering to someone, that you just ask the Lord in your heart, Lord, does this mean, is this an, is there an interpretation that's needed? And if you just give that three, four seconds, it'll put you in a place of peace where it'll settle on you. I don't know how else to explain it. But we can make a lot of mistakes, right, doing this. And so there's just, you, ha- you have to dwell in peace when you minister prophetically. And it's very important. Number two, ask God for the interpretation of the vision. If you have a sense that there needs interpretation, and maybe, maybe one-third or half the time it does, you just say, Lord, what does this mean? And you wait for a moment. What does this mean? What does this mean? Number three, consider the meaning of any Bible metaphors. A lot of times, God works with Scripture in our, li- in our lives. I mean, Scripture is the foundation of our faith, and, and so that has its purpose. But a lot of times, when God gives us a metaphoric vision, the first thing we want to go to is Scripture. If you don't know the Bible very well, this is really important why we want to know Scripture, because did you know that one metaphor in the Bible can mean two or three different things? So like, for example, a lion, if you see a lion, (laughs) it can represent Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and it can represent the devil. He is a, a, he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I mean, that can represent the enemy or it can represent Jesus. What about water? Water can represent the Holy Spirit, the Bible, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. A house can represent nation, the house of Israel, a church, a family, or your own life. Matthew chapter 7, you know, when the house is built on a rock, it's a metaphor of your life. So so you have to ask the Lord what these things mean when you are praying for people and you see something. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's really important that we learn not just how to pick and choose, but there's a context and the Lord will work with us as we pray. It's not a puzzle. God will indicate to us. I've learned the more I pray for people and the more I see things that God is showing me, it gets more and more simple. And I want to encourage you. It just gets more and more simple the more I pray. Again, when you're exercising it regularly, the discernment comes. It just comes. If you're not exercising it regularly, it's like, ah, I don't know. That just seems complicated. It's really not. It's actually really not. It's only complicated when it stays obscure. So we consider the meaning of Bible metaphors, and the Lord will work with that in our lives. Number four, we consider the simplest meaning of what we see. Remember, it's not a cosmic puzzle. He's not trying to confuse us. He's just giving us something for a person in front. I've, I, I could give you so many stories. I remember, and I've made a lot of mistakes too, by the way. I've made a lot of mistakes. I pray for people, and I'm like, oh, that was wrong. Oops, I didn't, you know. 
The picture was right, but for whatever reason, I thought it meant something different. And the grace of God was on me still to maneuver that to understand what it really meant. And I don't care if I end up looking stupid because God doesn't seem to always care about my reputation as much as the ministry that I'm supposed to give to the person, right? So if you're in it for the reputation, we've got to look past that. I can tell you stories. I remember ministering in front of 500, 400 people and calling somebody out and giving a prophetic word and saying, does that mean anything? No. I mean, how do you preach now? False prophet. <laughs> False. <laughs> I, I didn't think I was when I came in today. And then their friend walking up to me at the end, like, man, you really, you really nailed them, man. That was right on. And I'm like, they just called me out right in the middle of the whole meeting and said I was wrong. Why didn't you stick up for me? Oh, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they said that. <laughs> but to everybody else, God didn't seem to care about my reputation. It wasn't about that. Isn't that amazing? That <laughs> did not encourage you, did it? <laughs> yeah, don't start there. It's fine. It's, if you wonder why I'm, I'm, I'm not casual with the things of the Spirit, I just understand that sometimes things aren't always what they seem. And also the slightest thing. If you're ever critical of prophetic words that get shared from the stage or if somebody shares it, let me just tell you. During COVID, during the season where we were shut down and there were not people here, was, we only had online. I know we have both now, and I'm thankful for that. I know some can't come in, and we, I love you. I see you. I want you to know that. But now we have both on-site and online. But there was that long season, right, that couple months we didn't have this. We were, man, we were prophesying. We were praying, and we were prophesying, and it was every week we were getting email after email after I mean, People were stopping me when they saw me. Pastor Ben, when you said that, that was me. In fact, the detail of that was me. There were some times we were calling, I was saying states and things like that. I know Pastor Darby has the same experience. And this is, it, it, but it was by faith. Nobody was even in the auditorium. You couldn't read a face. You couldn't see. There was no spiritual manifestation. Nobody fell on the floor, you know. No excitement, no crying, no nothing. It's just sterile as a hospital room. You're just sending things out into cyber world. But I had faith because I knew it was the Lord. I knew God was doing that, you know? And honestly, every week it was like, bing, bing, bing. How many people stopped me? It was amazing. And my, my point is, is that it was just simple. A lot of the things that we would share were just simple. Um, and the Lord used it. Ask God for clarity when you don't understand, right? We, we've talked about this before, but we want clarification. And the Lord is so gracious to do that. He will clarify for us. If we don't understand, Lord, I don't understand that. Could you help me understand it? We're talking about our Heavenly Father. He wants us to understand what He's giving to us for other people. He, he loves the fact that we want to minister. Can you hear that? God loves it when His kids ask Him for something for someone else. Bridget and I, we've raised about 100 children. You know, I don't know how many at this point. Forget their names usually. But we've raised a bunch of kids, and there, there gets a point, you know, your kids go over to their friend's house, and they're like, Mom, Dad, can I get some money so that I can buy a present for so-and-so? And, you know, they always ask for stuff. Kids are just, they just don't, you know, they got no shame. Can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have that? They get to that point where they've got no shame, no concept of what things cost. I know there's some kids in the room, don't have it. I love you. 
And we all were you, so just no, don't be offended. But there's a point, you know? And so they asked, like, hey, can I get some money so that I can get Tommy a present? And there's a part of your heart, as a mom, as a dad, you just, you well up because you're like, when your kid wants to do something for someone else, or even if it's not for a birthday, it's like, you want to fund what they want to do for another person. If they hear that something is happening at church and they're raising money and they're like, hey, can we do that? And you're just like, oh, yes, of course. You know, your heart. But if they're like, can I get the new video game? You're like, no. <laughs> me, I'm sorry, me. I'm like, no. How many video games do you need? <laughs> you <know? laughs> I took all the other ones away already just for saying that. No. So, but when they ask for something for someone else, why do you love that? You love that. And even if you don't have kids, you know what I mean. You love that because that's God. That's the father's heart. And you as a parent, you do that all the time. You go and you make whatever money and you give it away to your children, <laughs> you know, indirectly. But that's your heart and you live that and you want them to live that. And when they start to do that, any glimpse of that is amazing. God wants to fund us giving things to other people. He wants to do this. He smiles when we ask him for words for other people. He wants to give you words. He does. But God loves it when we move from I want something to I want something for someone else. He loves it. He loves it more than we could ever love it. It comes from him. That sense, that feeling that we have as parents. It's a joy that we share with our heavenly father. And prophetic ministry is one of those things that just shows how real God is because we can't make it up. And if we do, it's embarrassing. But when it's really the Lord, it's a word from the Lord and you and I can't make it happen. It shows God off. It shows that he's real. It's very powerful. Number three, the third principle there's several principles under these things that we're talking about is delivering a corporate prophetic word. I'm going to speed through some of this. Okay, now I'm just going to share with you a passage. This is 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter 14. And Paul's talking about prophecy in tongues, speaking in tongues or spiritual language, but mainly he's talking about prophecy. All right, so I need you to hear this very carefully because he gives this process to the Corinthian church, and they're making mistakes all over the place. They don't know what they're doing, all right? They're trying to look spiritual, and they're messing it up. So Paul's speaking to them. He's writing, and he says to them, but if all prophesy, and he's talking about the difference between tongues and prophecy, and he says, if all prophecy, prophesy, and an unbeliever, ungifted person enters in, and they had smaller churches in those days, home churches, he is convicted by all, and he is called to an account by all, verse 25, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. Have you, ever, have you ever seen those moments? I've seen them right here. I've seen them right here. I've seen so many of them here, not just through us, but through many of us in this room. We have seen God speak through someone and disclose what's in the heart of another person, and they go, God is here. Yes, he is. God, God, he is here, and He is giving gifts through you, through you and I. And then listen to this. He goes, what is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble? Each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. He's giving parameters for the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should, not, it should be by two or th 
Two or at the most three, and each in turn, and they must interpret. But if there's no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Now, they're just, if you can imagine, they're speaking in tongues to each other. Sometimes people use these verses to say, you can't speak in tongues and anybody hear you. No, you can't speak to one another and expect them to interpret. You must pray for the interpretation yourself. If you hear me pray to God in tongues, that's not illegal. We're not afraid. That's a fearful environment of people here. If my, t- my kids never hear me pray in the Spirit to God, they'll never even know what it is. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying be scared of speaking in tongues and anybody hearing you. He's saying do not speak to one another in tongues without interpretation. That's the whole point. This is a corporate gathering. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, I've seen people leave churches over stuff like that. He was speaking in tongues and I could hear him. Hey, he wasn't talking to you though. He was talking to God. God doesn't need the interpretation. But we're not taught this because we're taught in fear. There are churches that teach these verses to, for people to fear supernatural things because they don't believe in them to begin with. So they're not trying to figure out how to do them in, in order. They're trying to figure out how to scare people from believing in them at all. Uh-oh, we're going too far. If anyone speaks in a... Oh, sorry. But there should be an interpreter... We must keep silent. Number, verse 29, let two or three prophets speak, let the others pass judgment. So there are two or three. Let's say we have three prophets. They get up, they speak, and let the other ones discern what's being said. Which one is God? How much of it is the Lord? What are we supposed to do as a result of it? But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn. But he's, he's, he's actually making a distinction. He's saying you can all prophesy one by one. Not a problem. But if you're going to have corporate prophecy, there should be some distinction, and you should only have so many people do corporate prophecy. Why? Because you're going to lose what the word really is for the congregation. If we had 30 people line up and give corporate prophetic words one after another, what would happen? You would forget all of them. If we prophesied one by one, that word would be significant because it was for you personally. But if we have corporate words, we just want to have a few people. Now, why did Paul say this? Was Paul saying this? Because he was trying to give them a protocol that was supposed to be for every church forever? No, he was talking to a church that was exercising the gifts of the Spirit in an immature way to the point where he says that it's so unbeneficial, it's like me getting over here on the drums and banging on the drums until you guys finally stand up and say, stop, clanging gong, banging cymbal, right? want to do things and look spiritual, but you don't want to benefit people. So then he had to teach them like children. Don't put your hand on the stove. Stove hot, hand burn. Two, three, share. Everybody else sit down. Do you see what he did? He wasn't saying, and this is where we have to understand culture, context, and command, a universal command of scripture. How do we know that? Because to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says to a people who are leery of prophets because they've had people come through and say the coming of the Lord has already taken place. And so Paul said to those people, do not despise prophesying. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. You know what quenching the Holy Spirit means? You ever have a hose and the water's turned on and then you cinch it, right? You ever done that to somebody while they're washing a car? And they're over there and you just, you've never done that, but you wanted to. You cinch it. You've stopped the flow. 
Don't quench the Holy Spirit. How do you quench the Holy Spirit? You despise prophesying. Why did they despise prophesying? Because they were sick of false words. How many churches and theology is developed because they're sick of false words? It's called cessationism. What they dealt with back in the first century, we have today. It's, it has a name now. So Paul says to the Thessalonians, do not despise prophesying. In other words, you guys don't even want it, but you need to open your hearts back up to it. But look what he says to the Corinthians. He doesn't say to them, don't despise prophesying. He's like, whoa, calm it down a little bit. (laughs) Two or three, don't confuse people. He has to tell somebody one thing, and he has to tell another church another. These were not about having these forever commands for every congregation. He spoke to each one to teach them how to cultivate the gifts of the Spirit in their context. To the cessationist, he said one thing. To the crazy, chandelier-swinging, charismaniac, he had to say another. Calm it down. Benefit people. You guys need to be open to the things of the Spirit. Maybe you're a Thessalonian and maybe you're a Corinthian. We got all kinds of people in this room, right? That's why the Bible speaks to all of us in different places. Are you with me on this or did I? This is not my note. So I'm hoping. Okay. All right. Good. I'm just going to clap for myself. All right. All right. Yes. That's good. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just used to a response of some kind. It's terrible. Massive killed us. They just, it's like the response. We want to give it, but we're not sure if we can. All right. So this is really important. Paul gave a protocol. Now here's what I'm trying to tell you. Every church should have a protocol, okay? So we have a protocol. The protocol is if you get a corporate prophetic word and you're, you're in the church gathering and we're worshiping, I do not want anybody to just go, yay, I say unto thee, this the Lord. Don't do that. I, and I'll shut it down because it needs to be accountable. I want people to look people in the eyes. I don't want that spontaneous, I can't tell who it is. It could be sister somebody and Joe, we don't know. Okay? That's got to be accountable. No, I'm serious. We have to be accountable. We're not letting people just come through and say what they want to say. And I've had people walk in. I'm the prophet of Washington State. Well, no, you're not. I've never heard of you. You're not the prophet of Northwest Church. So, okay, so I'm not, I, we believe in prophecy, but just because you say you're a prophet or you have a prophetic gift means nothing to me. I want to know your life. I want to know, if you're married, I want to know what that's like. I want to know if you're serving. I want to know if you're generous, if you're kind, if you have the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want you coming up here sharing prophetic words. If you're mean and rude and don't serve anywhere and you're not, you don't, nobody knows you in the community. No, nobody trusts that. Do you trust people when they, you know, come on. No. So we have process. We have protocol. That's how things stay clean. You know what I'm saying? And that's why we do membership at our church. You don't lead unless you're a member. Why? Because we want to be aligned. We're not trying to create some kind of elite club. You're in or you're out. Are you in? Are you in? Better sign up. You better give us money. No, we're trying to say, are you in this? Are are we in this together? Because if we are, then you get to lead. But if we're not, no, you don't get to lead. No, you don't get to just share whatever you want to share. You have to have an investment. You got to be in the family for sure, fixed, focused, part of this. Amen, right? That's the point. And so there has to be a protocol. And so we have a protocol and our protocol is actually really simple. Now, let me just go ahead and give you some things, all right? Um, And it's not complicated and it's not controlling. It's, It's just the way families work. 
Uh, number one, become familiar, okay? And I'm going to tell you what it is. We have an oversight pastor. If you have a prophetic word, you can come share it with me during worship, not while the song is ending. That's a bad time to do that. But usually in the first 15 minutes, you can share it with me or our oversight pastor. If it's Pastor Darby, whoever's sitting next to me that's one of our pastors, they usually will have a badge. And you can share that with them. They will determine if that word is supposed to be shared or not. And you just have to leave it with us. And if we say, we're not going to share that, then you just say, okay, cool. Because <laughs> we have to figure out like a puzzle if it works together. We've been praying. We've been seeking the Lord. And this word might be for this service. It might be for something that needs to be prayed over. You know, the Lord knows. But this is, this is how we do it. Share, uh, this is what I would say when it comes to delivering. A if you have a word and you get to share in front of people, share positive words with a positive attitude. You do not have a yell. This is not helpful. Okay? And um, <clears throat> no, and I, I don't just mean God only gives positive words. I understand the Lord will give tough words. But if you're not known by the community, it's not for you to do. Uh, so, like, here's number three. Share words of correction, direction, or warning with the leadership. I, I would not allow anybody to get up here on a Sunday or a Saturday and give a correctional word to the congregation. I would allow them to give that to me, and then as an elder, I would share it with the elders and see if there's something to that word. Okay, it's very important that we have these type of protocols. Now, there might be an occasion where we bypass that. It just depends on, on the word. It depends on the spirit of the meeting. Like I've been in repentance meetings where you bypass that. There's a moment where we bypass that. But it's few and far between. But words of warning or words of direction. Nobody's going to get up and say, the direction of Northwest Church is supposed to be. I'd be like, what are you doing? Can you imagine somebody coming and coming over to my house and here's Bridget, makes this wonderful meal. We're all sitting down at the dinner table. Here are our beautiful, wonderfully obedient children sitting on the right side, and here you are on the <laughs> amen, because of my wife, amen, and so you're on the left side, and you feel something burning in your heart that you need to speak over our children, and so you look at our son, he's 12, and you say, Judah, for the next 30 days, you need to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning, and you need to read the book of Ephesians until you're finished every day, says the Lord. And I put down my salad fork, and my wife stops me, <laughs> and I say, thank you for sharing direction with our children. That is not what they're going to do, but we sure appreciate your courage. And you may not come over to dinner for a while until we straighten out what just happened. Why? Because you're a guest in my home. And if I was in your home and I had any sense of a word for your child that was directional, I would pull you aside because I understand authority and I would tell you as the parent that this is what I sense for your child respectfully and you do with it what you want. I just had this in my heart and I would leave it with you as the authority of the home. I would not direct your... Now, you guys are not my children. It's just a metaphor. Okay, it's an illustration. I fast over the direction. I, I literally, there's not a day that goes by where I am not thinking about where we should be going as a church. And I'm not kidding. Every single day. Think about the things that you eat, sleep, and drink. Right? And that's me. Like I'm not, and, and our staff, our leaders, we're, it's, it's like, it's everything. 
right? And so if somebody stands up on the stage and this is where God has taken us, like, whoa, 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 stallion. You need to submit that to leadership because we're fasting and we're praying and we're seeking the Lord. And that word might help shape where we go respectfully, but that's not the protocol. That's not the process, okay? And that's how we roll. That's how we keep the prophetic clean. Otherwise, these words get shared and you know what happens? Nothing. They die. They just die. They're like dandelions. They're just gone. Or poppies. What are those things? Dandelions? I knew what they were. <laughs> Share the prophetic word clearly and concisely. I, I can't emphasize this enough. Clearly and concisely. Does everybody know what I mean by this? Yes. Number five, ask for feedback. How did that go? One time, this was like 14 years ago, I was at a men's retreat, and they asked me to get up and share 100-something guys. I get up and just share prophetically, and I said this thing, and I had this complicated word, and I used to feel so bottlenecked. I, I just would have this revelation, and I was just ready. Oh, man, I've got this thing, and it's just, I'm carrying it, and then I would just share it, and it was like, and it sounded terrible. Do no, no, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes you get jumbled and you get bottlenecked. So I share this thing. It didn't come out right, or at least in my head it didn't come out right. And so then I share it again because I'm reading the room, and they're not getting it. So, so I just come over to this side, and I go, okay, here we go. We're going to do it again. Bam. I do it again. Same response. Nothing's going down. And I'm like, they clearly are not hearing the word. So, so I've, I think I try to do it again. And then the confusion face comes, like a few of you right now. You just... We, got, we already heard, what you, we know what you meant. So, you don't look like that, I'm just joking. There was a pastor that pulled me aside and said, hey, this is all he said, and I thank him for it. It was super humbling. He goes, hey, hey Ben, uh, we got it the first time. <laughs> we, <laughs> no joke, he just, this is all he said. He just said, hey, we got it the first time. And uh, I was like, duly noted. You didn't have to repeat it. Stop reading the room. Share what you have to share. Pray or just walk. Leave it to the person. I didn't do that very well in my younger years, right? Sometimes I still blow it. My point is, is that clear and concise, the best that we can. Give it, and then we walk away. We just do the best that we can. Ask for feedback. All right, this is the last part. Are you guys having fun? Are you learning anything? This is just like an exercise in laughing. I'm just having so much. It's great. It's just so fun to hear about you, Pastor Ben. Um, all right, the final principle, and I've got a number of things. We're just going to blow by them here real quick. Delivering a personal prophetic word. We went from corporate to personal, and this is where a lot of us are going to have most of our ministry, okay? Number one, pray the prophetic word over people. If you say to me, I don't prophesy, I'm telling you, prayer and prophecy, there's a thin line between prayer and prophecy, right? You know when you're praying over someone and you just, you, Lord, I just thank you for this person and Lord, we just pray for your provision and God, we just pray where there's no rest. Lord, would you just give them rest and sleep and Lord, I just thank you that even just their, their body, their physical body would, would be at, at rest and their soul would be at peace. You start praying that and you know you're touching something that you couldn't know let me ask you what's happening. You think God's involved in that? Right? Do, do you, have you ever had that? Anybody had that experience? 
You start praying and all of a sudden you realize that, that, or has anybody prayed for you? And what they're praying is speaking to your situation. Anybody had that? Yeah. You know why? Because the line is thin between prayer and prophecy because you're exchanging with God. And so as you start to pray, you start to, you cross the threshold of prophecy. And now if you stopped, and this is what I teach people to do, you can stop and you say, you know what? And you move from the prayer to looking at the person. I have a sense that the Lord wants to bring peace to your soul and physical rest to your body. Is that true for you right now? And they go, yeah. And you just prophet. So we're going to prophesy that. We're going to speak that as the word of the Lord because I didn't know that. And that must be coming from him. So now we're going to pray that over you in Jesus' name and believe that God will heal what he reveals. Right? These are simple. Okay, pray the prophetic word. Number two, prophesy with clarity. All right, all I mean here is just be as clear as you can. I've already kind of talked about being concise um, and clear, but there are times where people will share prophetic words and it might as well have been in tongues because I have no clue what they're talking about. do Do anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't need to use Elizabethan English, like, yea, I say unto thee. King, King James Bible. You don't have, if you like the King James Bible because it's poetic, that's totally fine. You and I would disagree that it's the more accurate translation. I do not believe that. All right, I'm total New American Standard, 1995. All right, that's just where I'm at. So whatever, we can talk Masoretic text and every. It's fine. We can have that conversation. If you know, you know. If you don't, totally disregard what I just said. But there's nothing more holy about Elizabethan English. Yea, I say unto thee, my little children and sheep. I'm not going to call you sheep, all right, or children. I won't do that to you. You don't have to do that. And what I love is the example of Jesus. Jesus didn't do that, all right? Jesus is the greatest example for prophetic words. He was simple. He spoke normal language. That's just how he was. And we can do the same thing. And when we get real spiritualized and we just like, sometimes people will say, well, my heart was pumping out of my chest. I'm like, that's because you not indicative of it being God, okay? You might have been freaked out. So we spiritualize a lot of stuff when in reality, you know, that doesn't mean that. So it kind of hypes us up and we start to like get amped up and then people start to repeat themselves and we just, you know, don't do that when you're ministering to someone personally, right? Just be in peace, right? Like drop your shoulders and just speak to them normally. You get used to it. It's amazing, and they receive it, okay? You're translating from what the Lord is saying to how they understand. It's, it, it's, it, it, clarity can come, especially the more you do it. Prophesy with love. Remember, Jesus taught us to treat people the way that we want to be treated. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. How about this? Prophesy to people the way you want to be prophesied to, right? So sometimes when I hear folks say things about or to people like you people, versus us, and we, don't, we talk in a way where I'm over you and more than you, just remove that type of language from your ministry. It's not necessary, all right? Um, the old covenant has passed away. The new covenant, we're all sons and daughters of God. We all have the precious Holy Spirit. We all have the same Bible. We treat each other with love and respect. When we prophesy over one another, we do it with love. We do it with respect. When I was in the real estate business, um, this is the way I explain this. this is, it helps you understand me as a pastor when you get how I was as a, 
real estate agent, and I sold several hundred homes. And I love homes. I love cars and homes, okay? I love the Lord more than anything, and my wife second. As a real estate agent, my dad was in the business. My brother's a painter. My dad was a real estate agent contractor, so we're all in that business together. And he would always say to me, hey, speak to people like they're adults. And at first, when you hear that, you're like, of course I will. But then I realized when you're in that industry, people will go in and they'll go, hey, these are granite countertops. <laughs> do, you, do you know granite? Some of granite's from India and Malaysia. This is a very rare stone. Yeah. And these cabinets, these are brush nickel. That's what these are. And it's a whole brush nickel package. Okay, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Can you forgive me? But do you know what I'm saying? You just talk to people like they're dumb, you know, and you don't know much more than them. And so it's just this funny thing, you know, it's like you just learned it from the class and here you are just, and so my dad would say, just talk to people like they're adults. People are smart. And at first I didn't get it, but then I realized, oh, you talk to people the way you want to be spoken to. See, educating somebody doesn't have to come off like I know more than you because that means I'm better than you. You just read more books. You just have more experience. But that, see, if you treat people with respect, so here's what I say. I say, hey, you, you probably already know this. You, now you're going to pick up on it because I do it all the time. Hey, you probably know this. I do that because I'm speaking to people. On my, now, when you prophesy, I learned this from business, but you can do this with one another, where you speak to people on your level. Do you understand what, what I'm saying? You speak to people like they're right here, not like they're right here. And when, if you've learned to speak down to people, look them in the eyes, speak up to them, speak to them like they're your friend, like they're your family, like they're your family. We love each other. Do, I'm just done with the spiritualisms and the, and the speaking down, and I'm the man of God, woman of God. I mean, I respect the anointing, but all that stuff, it's weird. And that's what cults are made of, right? I know this person has all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. His name's Jesus. I know him too. Sorry. All right. All right. Prophesy with scripture. I always teach people to have a Bible. A lot of us have our phones. You know, people will, the word will rest on people, will land on them. They may never forget that. So if you could connect a scripture to the prophecy, all the, all the better. Mm-hmm. Eternal word to the, to the word. Because if it's about fear, if it's about anxiety, or if it's about a promise, the promises of, of the word, connect it with the word, right? So that's, that's just something I tell people to do. Number five, prophesy with humility. What I mean by that is not everything has to be supernatural. I've watched a lot of people make mistakes. They'll go, hey, um, feel like the Lord's speaking to me about your brother. And then you go, I don't have a brother. You're like, well, somebody you know has a brother. Like somebody you met at some point in your life probably has a brother. And I think, the, you know, does that happen? No. All right. Some of you are laughing too much because you've seen it. It totally, I call it fishing. It's terrible. You could have just said, if you had a sense, right, about a brother, you could have just said, hey, do you have a brother? And they go, no. And you go, neither do I. You know, you just move on. You just act like that didn't even happen. I know I get in trouble for this stuff all the time. 
But in the world, I've done that. I totally did. I've done I was at a coffee shop in Canada one time. This is the only time I think I can remember doing it. But I was with a group of guys, and I was looking at this gown. For some reason, I just thought, I just had this impression about something about her sister. Okay? And so I said, do you have a sister? She goes, no. And I go, yeah, I have one. She lives in another state, you know? And she was like, okay. And I'm like, can I get a grande... Um, Americana. She just, it didn't even, you know, we tipped her really good. It was awesome. We just, it was a mistake, man. I just made a mistake. You know, I had, I had an impression, but I didn't look dumb because I didn't say to her, God wants to do something in your sister's life. Okay. And not everything has to be supernatural. You don't have to come up with all of it. You have a sister. Her name is Jane. Here's what the Lord is doing. And he's going to, because we see somebody on television and we think that's only prophecy. No, it's not. You ask a question. Natural knowledge helps us in the prophetic. And I can't tell you how many times I've just asked the question. They go, yeah, I do. And I was thinking about them today. I I talked to them on the phone. I go, wow, that's awesome. I I just have a feeling I'm supposed to pray for for you and for her. And they go, really? And I go, yeah, I know it's strange, isn't it? I mean, I want a coffee too, but I think this is supposed to happen. And then they let it happen and it's powerful. You see, so that's what I mean by humility. Sometimes we step beyond our authority and we step beyond the word because we, we run too fast, okay? Uh, all right, number six, prophesy with normal language. Um, I'm, I think you understand what I'm saying there. Just use language that people understand. Prophesy with accuracy, number seven. Don't say more than you have. I, I usually just say, hey, I had a picture. This is what I saw. Does this mean anything to you? A lot of times people will say, I believe the Lord is saying. They'd start getting far beyond the scope of their authority. They just, they, and you add all this language and baggage to it. You just, I had an impression. I had a sense from, and I believe it was from the Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. You know why? Because if it's God, it's God. That's why. That's why. Okay, number eight, prophesy with faith. I want people to take risks, but I just said, you know, stay with what you have. Don't make it more. But we do want to learn how to step out because the potential of a prophetic word is more important than the possibility of an embarrassing moment. Did you hear that? The potential of a prophetic, the, the potential of a prophetic word is more important than the possibility of an embarrassing moment. See, if you get to that, if you get to that, what I just said, God will use you, Right? You, you will prophesy regularly, normally, naturally supernatural if you get to that point where it's not about us. That's the key. Number nine, prophesy with accountability. Everything I do is recorded. Can you believe it? Almost everything I do. I am so hemmed in. I get in trouble for like everything. And you know what? I've learned to love that. I didn't at first, but let me just tell you. We don't want anything in secret. We want accountability. If this is real, it's real. We're not hiding anything. And so I got my critics, and some of them are watching right now. And I love you. I do. But that's the truth, is that I'm not in this for the show. I want every person to know that the Holy Spirit of God lives in them, and the gifts of God are actually real. But they don't have to come with some fantastical thing. Let the glory of the Lord and the presence of God overtake us. We marvel at his goodness and his glory. We are touched by his presence. Let all of that be the case. But as we minister to one another, we do not have to make things more than they are. As we minister, the strength of that current and that river, when it touches people, it's the Lord. You can't shake it off you if you try. 
You'll go home and you'll try to shake it off. I've had people say things to me in a way that I did not respect. I was like, well, the way that they said that, it was just can't be the Lord. And it was the Lord. They were immature and they said it disrespectfully. But I couldn't shake that thing off if I wanted to. And, and, I, and I'm thankful that even though the package wasn't as nice as it could have been, I want to make sure that I have ears to hear no matter what. So if we can cultivate ears to hear and hearts to receive and a way about us where we can share simply and really just th- looking for encouragement, comfort, and exhortation, the Lord will just, I mean, he'll use us. He'll use you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.